Hello, everyone, and welcome to Penny for a Tale. My name is Mitchell, and today we have a very special guest. This is actually the second time I've gotten to uh, interview this this wonderful person. Uh, it is Wade Dyer of Fragged Empire, um, a role playing game that came out uh, was about five years ago. Yeah, it's a four or five years ago, I believe. <laughs> it's a uh adventure began and what a wonderful adventure it has been uh so why don't you uh kind of give us a, a lowdown of, of who you are wade uh who i am <laughs> uh, yeah so i guess so i'm a i'm a aussie rpg creator um from the, the land down under full of uh spiders and snakes and all that sort of stuff as we are well known for uh, yeah, and I, I created Fragged Empire, which is my sci-fi project, which was kind of a just started out as me just wanting to make the RPG that I wanted to play. I got ridiculously carried away with it, and now I do it full-time, and I've made a bunch of other settings all based on the same Fragged rule system. And uh, yeah, kind of currently running my fifth Kickstarter. So uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> so I... quick in the day. <laughs> I have to admit, when I when I looked over at your profile on Kickstarter, I was surprised to see five. I feel like uh, you you put out a lot of books for uh, uh, in kind of an indie uh, tabletop role playing uh, entrepreneur. That's a that's a very polite way of saying uh, <laughs> guy who's currently sitting in his dressing gown in his in his home office. <laughs> I mean, that's that's better than me. Most of the time, I don't even wear pants to this. I just <laughs> they only see the top half. <laughs> uh, a, a, a long time ago i used to work as a freelance graphic designer from home i used to have a little comic stuck on my wall which was a uh, a guy freelancing and saying oh yep on the phone oh yep 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 come over we'll have a meeting in 10 minutes and then it's him sitting there and the last panel is him is him running off saying oh no i've got to get pants on <laughs> that, that's me every time <laughs> I just I try to act so official online, and it's like, yeah, I'm not really wearing pants. Or I'm wearing sweats, which are kind of like the opposite of work. <laughs> Professional from the waist up. <laughs> exactly. That's really all you need. That is all you need. Um, so, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, and uh, everyone um, who is currently watching, uh, we actually were – we've been talking for the last 20 minutes prior to the show – uh, just about the the tabletop industry and um, kind of what uh, what's happening, as well as kind of these um, uh, what Kickstarter has been doing for a lot of uh, creative content, which has been amazing. I mean, uh, Wade, do you think you would have been able to have accomplished accomplish what you have without kind of that uh, that platform? Nah, nah, not 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 even the vaguest hope in in hell yeah uh that that whole like kickstarter has really energized the creative field by removing those middle middlemen and connecting creators directly with consumers mm -hmm. um yeah so like most of my budget my yearly budget comes from kickstarter like every time i run a kickstarter it's am i employed for the next year <laughs> <laughs> no but it's it's great uh, i love being able to do all this stuff i love being able to just do what i think is and it's been amazing stuff i mean i was uh super excited to see the the new kickstarter come out uh 
So, Wade, why don't you tell us a little bit about what what can fans expect from this new uh, from these new books, and why newcomers should kind of hop in on this Kickstarter train? <laughs> uh, yeah, so cool. Uh, so, I, you think I'd be really practiced with my spiel, <laughs> you know, like really like get get the silver tongue yeah. happening, make my persuasion skill roll. Yeah, roll, roll that uh, check. That's right. <laughs> uh, look, okay. So uh, I'm, I'm doing three new books. This is called Fragged, Fragged Regions. And Regions is because each of these three books are based on specific locations. And therefore, my three most popular... Um, uh, I'm just... Uh, sorry, I'm just clicking to open up the Kickstarter <laughs> so I can look at it. Yeah, understandable. Uh, therefore, my three most popular settings. So there's one for Fragged Empire, which is my sci-fi setting and it's set on the world of mishpasha which is this kind of jungle work frontier world and it's kind of all the flora and fauna has been mutated into monsters and there's lots of ruined cities that are all overgrown and stuff like that so it's a uh, lots of different races are trying to colonize that that planet um then we've got the arcane bay which is for my fantasy book frag kingdom and this one it's based around uh, sort of the, the the typical starting location mm-hmm. for this this setting because in this setting everyone sort of starts off in the last city on the world basically uh, there's this big druidic war that sort of ruined all of civilization and and players can leave this city and go and found new cities and towns and stuff like that so it's kind of doing that but it uh, I'd also say that the initial uh the initial frag kingdom book was sort of like an introduction for the setting this one really fleshes it out a lot more we go into great houses and factions and religious groups and barbarian tribes and a lot of that sort of different stuff so that's that's really yeah uh fills it out a lot more then we got uh my uh, greyberg market which is for my gothic horror frag to turnum setting and so this focuses in on a particular massive market because in a in this in a turnum you play in this endless city that goes on forever in every direction, um, and this market it takes you a day to walk from one side to the other, and it uh, it explores you know all the different fiends and the different groups that are there and all the different uh, uh, mysteries and myths and legends and a lot of that sort of stuff, uh, and and also in this market it's along a river and so you get a lot of people from foreign lands coming here so it's a real clash of cultures and a little a little little slice of showing what's in distant distant weird and exotic places and stuff like that Um, and each one of these books of course is filled with maps lots and lots of maps (laughs) lots of uh lots of lore but i've also included a bunch of rules and extra you know races and traits and weapons and stuff like that that's all a little bit of extra putting there as well awesome and actually so we have a, a greetings from germany uh bail vala uh, really would like to thank you for the new expansion <laughs> <laughs> thanks man <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm thankful too. Uh, so this is um, uh, something uh, people have been kind of excited about. Some some new content coming out in Fragged Empire, and I know uh, when um, 
uh, you were kind of sending out some feelers for play testers and I got to look at some of the stuff as well and I was, I was super excited about uh, especially fragged Empire because that's kind of like my baby um, <laughs> the the three new races I know we we have the uh, the half bloods the the oni and the uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna butcher this word the total tolatol tolatol is how I pronounce it yeah <laughs> Uh, so what are, what are these, uh, races like and what do you think it brings to the table in terms of like fragged empire? Yeah. Okay. So for, for, um, fragged empire, you got these, uh, the three new races and these, are it's primarily the Oni and the Toladl. Half bloods is just a way of doing sort of, um, you're, you're a child with parents of two different, two different species. Um, in, and so that's just so you could go like a uh, half Kaltoran and a half Legion or something like that. Okay. Um, so there's not a lot of law mm-hmm. behind that one. Uh, but for the, uh, the Toledal and the Oni, these are actually two antagonistic races. Uh, there are rules there for players to go them, but from a setting perspective, they're actually uh, usually causing people trouble. Uh, so the Toledal, the Toledal were first seen in Frag Kingdom. They were a new race that were introduced and in Frag Kingdom, they're very much a, a, an arist- aristocratic race. They're small, sort of goblin-like with tails and their tails can hold things and do stuff with it. Um, and But uh, in this book, we actually get the glimpse of where they actually come from because in Frag Kingdom, that's actually set in the Frag Empire universe, but technologically devolved back to sort of like a, a fantasy sort of stage mm-hmm. but uh the toledo we learn that they are actually um so we're still fleshing out the law but they were created to be archon lab assistants so the archons were sort of like a progenitor race and the toledo would assist them um but the archons were very much uh they were very protective of their different research that they were doing and so they actually built-in hardwired kill switches into the Toladl. So if the Toladl were ever biologically hacked or tampered with, they would basically disintegrate. <laughs> um, so that just sort of shows you Archons didn't really value them that highly. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're, they're very much connected to the Oni. Um, so the Oni are a Nephilim race. They're these giant four-armed species and they never stop growing. So some of them who were 100 years old back when the first war started, they, they are absolutely ginormous, okay? And the Oni have set up their own sort of Nephilim brood and they have basically, they enslave other races and they travel around and they use, they're, they're very much a, um, a quantity over quality sort mm-hmm. of race. So big guns, big ships, big thick armor, don't have a lot of high tech sort of stuff. And the Toladal were one of the races that they enslaved, but the Toladal have started to get away from them. But the Toladal have only ever known brutality. Like all the Toladal were all born basically into servitude under the Oni. Uh, but the Toladal, this brutality hasn't made them kinder or more empathetic. It's actually made them hard. And has sort of broken them in a way. And so that's how they relate to other races is how they have always been related to. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the, the quick little glimpse into what's happening here. <laughs> so I can definitely see some uh, inspirations uh, fl- from uh, Bloodborne uh, concerning Fragged uh, Eternum. Uh, did you have any anything else you, you kind of pulled from in um, what were kind of, I mean, if Bloodborne was truly the one of the ones that kind of inspired you the most, why did it? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm very upfront. Uh, Eternum is very much a Soulsborne-inspired game. I love Dark Souls, played the absolute <laughs> far too much of that. Um, and it, it's, how do you put this? It's not a one-for-one, I'm not trying to replicate Soulsborne, mm-hmm. um, because I think there are certain things within a tabletop RPG that are required that aren't required in a computer game. So in a uh, in, in RPG you want consequences you want narrative driven story you want social interaction you want teamwork a lot of this stuff that's not actually in the computer game uh but something that i really like drawing out of those games which i thought was quite refreshing in this climate of uh super polished handheld games Mm -hmm. okay very we have a very accessible games everything's everything's built that way which which makes sense you know even me, I'm trying to make my games accessible. I, I don't want to make things obtuse for the sake of obtuse. That's just bad game design. Um, but in a turnum, you play as immortal characters. The GM is expected to actually kill your player characters regularly. TPKs are supposed to happen. Um, but it, it's sort of death is not failure mm-hmm. in this. Death is more like a setback. It's like, well, what did you die for? Did you die protecting other people is that you're like dying to protect mortals then that's worthwhile um through your death does that mean your opponents get to further their schemes and stuff like that uh yeah so i hope, I hope that helps a little bit i've also uh released a pdf uh, which so you can effectively play as dark souls and bloodborne <laughs> if you really want to it's like a bit of a rules hack yeah <laughs> Which wasn't the only one. You had a, a mech uh, rules hack, correct, that, that came out? Yeah, I'm, I just love to make stuff. And <laughs> so that was that was my previous Kickstarter. That was a diesel pump mecha game. Um, I've only released that as a, a PDF. I think it's 44 pages or something like that. And uh, yeah, giant robots and uh, jetpacks and Tesla coils and alien conspiracy theories and yeah, that was a bit of fun, that one. So I'll probably keep doing that. I just, I just like making these little PDF hacks. That, that was, it is an enjoyable game, I have to say that. Uh, so uh, Bail Vala, uh, who says um, uh, you know the person uh, from Germany, uh, has a question. Uh, the question is, is there a 2.0 of the core rules plan that unifies all the stuff that uh, you have added and tweaked over the years? I laugh because it's something we, we were talking about right before we went live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the mythical when's the second edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been fairly open. Um, so I, I have not started working on a second edition, but it is something I'm thinking about. And it's something I will be doing. Um I, I think when I do do a second edition, okay, maybe maybe backtrack a little bit more. So I feel like my future books that I've released after my core rulebook have become increasingly better in terms of rules, world building, um, 
just in a lot of different ways. I've just I've been doing this for four more years, you know, four or five more years since a lot since my core rule book. And so when I do do a core rule book 2.0, you're probably gonna look at something a lot more like uh, frag kingdoms. Uh, I'm likely to add in a momentum system like that. I'm most likely gonna do companions like that. Um, uh, just neatening and tightening it up a lot more. Yeah, I'll probably drop rate of fire. I think I'll I'll can do a simpler system. So you know, so a lot of the sort of tweaks, I, I definitely have no plans at all to completely overhaul. You know, it's more like I'm gonna do 2.0 will be like a revised edition of Rack Empire. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yep. Bill Vala also says on a funny note, the Nephi in my group that I played up two years now is named Hrox. Uh, so the individual I had quite a giggle reading the update. Oh, really? It's a <laughs> Harax. Yeah, Harax is like one of the uh, the main characters from my uh, my, my stories. <laughs> in in Frag Empire, I start off with a story with my four you know archetypes and yeah. races, and uh, Harax is the Nephilim emissary. So she's the uh, the prickly scientist who uh, just says stuff really bluntly and creates lots of awkward situations, mostly by uh, embarrassing or insulting uh, Rachel, who's my uh, my, uh, my main Keltoran. Oh, uh, Rachel's my favorite. I have her mini uh, that I still need to put together. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we have a question from Total D4, uh, which is, when Fragged first rolled out, uh, there were some complex concepts as to how to get started for players and game masters alike. Wade was making a sort of YouTube guideline series of videos for beginners to understand some of the Frag systems. It seems like he's dropped doing these video projects. Uh, was there a reason, and will he ever pick them back up again and make more? Yeah, okay, so I have, I have a couple of thoughts on this. So back when I first started, before I even released my first Kickstarter, I grabbed my phone and recorded myself doing rules explanations because, quite frankly, having someone verbally tell you and show you a rule uh, really works for some people more than reading a rule book. Even if it's just as an introductory, give you an idea of the gist of how the rule is supposed to flow. Uh, then at a later date, through some stretch goals, we funded the creation of two animated rules tutorials, which kind of replaced some of my initial ones. One was for creating characters, and the other one was for like a core rolling mechanic. Uh, I would like to do more, but they're most likely going to come through stretch goals because I need to pay my friends who are good with video and animation to help me do those. So... Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Like the way that my Kickstarters have always worked is sort of, let's fund the main things. I don't really like doing book upgrade stretch goals anymore. I don't like saying art budget increased, editing budget increased because I just want to release my books as the best as possible. And quite frankly, I'm just going to do that. Okay. And so my stretch goals are basically extra fluffy content to help the community and it might be an extra story or an extra PDF, or it might be some rules videos and things like that. So yeah, I've, I've chatted to my video friends and we, we would love to do more of those, but as always, 
It's all about the Benjamins. Yeah, so make sure I, I have the uh, the links for the Kickstarter. So if you're watching and you have not yet pledged or you want to pledge more, please do so we can see more videos. I know I really appreciated uh, hearing your enthusiasm uh, and, and I'm going to have to say accent as well on the on the videos <laughs> uh, explaining uh, the rule set. Uh, and as a GM, it was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, See if I if I was uh, if I was a really good salesman, I would uh, I would like grow a bit of a beard. I'd put my Aussie accent on, you know. I'd sort of create a bit of a persona. It's like, oh, good day, mate. How's it going, copper? You know, and really like you know, dial it up, dial it, but, uh, <laughs> dial it all the way to eleven. That's right. I remember I, I was already born in country country Australia, so I I can't help but have a little bit of an accent. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an astounding thing as as someone who kind of looks through different videos and is uh, acquainted with a lot of role playing games. It's exciting to see a designer um, who is able to connect with the fans through the videos and, and through media and such uh, in a very um, personable and uh, entertaining way. Uh, I remember one of the first things I know is like this guy is excited. And this is his game. And I, I know it's, it's something hard to believe, but a lot of times when, like, uh, on, on videos for Kickstarters or when they're doing YouTube, it's just kind of this monotone voice uh, as they're trying to engage the audience. Um. <laughs> which, which is a tricky thing. And I have a lot of sympathy. Um, a, lot of, a lot of creative people um, can be quite <clears throat> eccentric, okay? And this eccentricity can manifest itself um sometimes really positively and sometimes it can actually lead to a bit of social difficulty so i i, I guess i'm very 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 sympathetic um also i have friends who like live and breathe video and they make me do 20 plus takes until <laughs> i get it right so, <laughs> yeah. but, but but i i genuinely am very passionate about my hobby i really love I love talking to people. Like when I go to cons, conventions and stuff like that, I I love meeting people, even if they're not players of frag. Like just talking about RPGs and just gaming and creativity and their worlds and what they're doing. Like I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, it comes very chatting comes very naturally to me. So I, I think that helps me a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. So we have another question from Bill Vala. Uh and I think this might be a stretch, a stretch goal because I believe uh, in the pledges, I, I remember seeing it uh, as not a possibility. Uh, but nonetheless, the question is, will you add a signed version for non-Australians? So I've, I've had people offer to have me sign it and then pay for postage to send all the way over to the US. And I... Okay, this is going to sound really weird, but I know, like, it, uh, anyway, I'll just say it. Okay? <laughs> just go ahead. Go ahead with it. This is the most well thought out reason. But I think I have a moral issue with people paying, like, 50 or 60 bucks for a signed book from <laughs> me. <laughs> that being said, I will more than happily sign a bit of paper and send a bit of paper overseas so they can slip it into the front page of their book. Like, that... No problems at all, but yeah. 
So I, I, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm sorry for all you wealthy people who want to pay me <laughs> six bucks for a sign, just to, for postage for a signed book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, another one from the same person. Uh, a couple of years ago, you teased a board game slash tabletop. Um, is that still in development? Yeah, so that's um, that's a tricky one. Okay, so we've we've been working on this uh, sort of skirmish board game for a while for a, a friend of mine for a number of years. We made it. I was very happy with the design. We've gotten most of the work done. Like it's that that final bit of polish, which, as we know, the last ten percent can often take just as long as the previous ninety percent. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's really sort of dampened that one, though, is we're struggling for a publisher. Um, because unlike RPGs, we really need to produce a very large number of, of copies of a board game. Like for an RPG, I could theoretically get away with printing just 500 copies of a book. And I could, I, I'd go, okay, you know, it wouldn't kill me. With a board game, I need thousands. Absolutely minimum. I'd need to be printing 4,000 copies of uh, boxes of a board game. And to do that, I need a publisher who can then sell to distributors and sort of get it in stores. Um, and even though I don't make, wouldn't make much money from store sales of a board game, that would allow me to print more copies. Um, but I haven't been able to find a publisher. And I think part of that is in Australia, we don't really have a lot of publishers like you've pretty much pretty much got one or two yeah and uh neither of them are willing to take take me on at this time and i've looked overseas but yeah so sorry about that i'm trying it's still there but it's been stalled by logistics which happens i know it could be a difficult process um so we have another question from gideon stern after a successful original Kickstarter, why did you decide to expand by creating additional settings versus adding supplemental products to the Empire line? Uh, okay, so think about me as a um, as like a game master who gets ridiculously carried away. Okay, <laughs> exactly the same. You know, like if you've got a game master and there's some players and you love a world, you play lots of campaigns in your world, it's your favorite one. But every now and again, you're like, you know what? I think I've played enough of this this setting for a while. Let's let's mix it up. Let's put a little cyberpunk in there for our next campaign. I, I, I'm exactly the same. I've been playing sci-fi for a long time. I've been making sci-fi, living and breathing it. Uh, it's still my baby. It's my firstborn, you know? <laughs> it's going uh, it, it, to... It's always going to be there. But sometimes I just want to mix it up. And that's that's exactly the same. That's what's happened. I just, I want to try fantasy. I want to try gothic horror. You know, I want to try pirates or, you know, and uh, particularly the diesel punk mecha one. Okay, so I know it's a PDF and it's this little, little project. And, you know, but it, um, the way that one came about was I got sick. And because I got sick, my head was so fuzzy and I couldn't think straight. And so I stopped working on my current big project and just, randomly in a in a in a in a, a sick filled haze over two weeks and i emerged at the end of this two weeks barely remembering what's happened with the outline of a brand new setting and rule structure adaption 
Yeah, that, that's uh, that's actually how Diesel Punk <laughs> Mecha started, you know. So, so what I'm hearing is we need to get you to catch another bug or something. <laughs> well, if we want weird little projects like that one. <laughs> But but I and I'm gonna keep doing that. Like I think, like Frank C started out as a PDF project and then it turned into a printed book. I, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna release little PDF settings and stuff because they're just fun. They mix it up. They keep me creatively fresh and energized. And if those products end up being successful, then I will turn them into a full blown book. Yeah, that is awesome. All right, so the questions are pouring in. Uh, so we'll just keep Adam. Making <laughs> making your job easy. I know, right? Like I'm just like I have all these questions. They don't need me. <laughs> um. So, uh, Bell Bell Vala again. Um, uh, uh, says in a 2.0 version. Uh, do you plan to add more social RPG traits slash skills, especially to fragged? Uh, as in the core rules. Um, if it's very tabletop heavy. Uh, yeah, so I, I have some thoughts on that. So I, I understand that question. Um, so what I'm likely to do, and I've been thinking about this vaguely in my mind, okay, and this is going to change, and well, and I'm just sort of letting the idea cook in my head. I'm probably going to put a lot more effort into Frag 2.0's explanation of traits. So I'm probably going to start labeling traits in terms of this is a good trait for narrative people hmm. okay and so it's that sort of focus and then i'm going to say this is a good trait for um we'll call them the combo person slash power gamer you know <laughs> yeah yeah and then i'll put another trait and say oh this is for the person who doesn't like or who likes simpler rules so i'm more like a passive trait and i'm going to think about that a lot more in terms of not just labeling them but actually including traits for all those different types of players, those different types of ways of enjoying role-playing games for every single category. So for example, under the wealth skill, I'm going to put a, a, a narrative trait, a power gamer trait, a rules light trait, a, 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 a synergistic teamwork type trait, and I'm going to think about that for every single category um, and then label them accordingly. So I, so I guess I feel like there's a lot more room to improvement to show off uh, the power of the rule system. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Awesome. So hopefully that answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm definitely thinking that way. I think there's a lot of room to improve. Uh, so I have a question before we kind of hop back into the, the chat's question. I, have, I apologize, chat. Uh, so you were talking about uh, power gamers, uh, you know, kind of the role play focus type of gamer. Uh, Wade, if you were at my table, what type of gamer uh, or, or would you be? Um, so I like to refer to myself as a uh, reformed power gamer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like all people who are recovering from an addiction... <laughs> <laughs> we do have uh, bad tendencies to slip back every now and again uh, but but at a table i don't get to be a player a lot but i'd probably find that i'd be a social leader character i'm very decisive i would make choices 
I loved chatting. I talked to every NPC. Um, I, I sometimes can have a bit of a strong personality. That's why I'm probably a GM. Um, so I'll try and tone that down, but I also, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, 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 that's the sort of game I'd be. Although I really wish I got to be a player more. I, I It's so rare for me these days. Aww. Yeah, I, I understand that sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving down to Poet APB, uh, who asks, why not kickstart the board game? Uh, so to do that, the way... So I, I actually... I'm a very thorough person. And so if I was to take it to Kickstarter, I would want to have all my ducks in a row already. I would want everything lined up from, I know how I'm gonna, this is going to get written, how this is going to get the arts going down. I want the rules finished. I've got uh, publishers lined up. I've got warehouses lined up, postage already figured out, the whole lot all calculated and uh, costs broken down and already started development. And then I would like to take that as a completed plan to people. I, I don't, I, I don't think I could do that mm -hmm. until I've got a publisher lined up. And a publisher's a publisher's a tricky one because board games is a very different market to RPGs. Yeah, definitely. There's actually, even though board gamers will deny it, uh, there is much more money in board games, both in terms of production and potential whereas yeah rpgs are a slightly lower risk but still difficult yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a whole nother beast <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it, it kind of goes like a tabletop rpgs at the bottom then board games and then computer games and there's such a big gap between those tiers that you can barely compare one to the next yeah I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that most local stores are just supported by Magic the Gathering, uh, and then board games, and then tabletops are just kind of oh, there for extra snacks. RPGs have a terrible reputation for being mooches of spaces. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we know our hobby is getting subsidized by the Magic at the Gathering. Yeah. That was a <laughs> yeah, that's why whenever you go to a game store, just like whisper a thank you to them so you can that's continue right. to have your stuff on. Buy some dice and some minis. I remember at my, uh, my old local game store before they ended up changing owners and stuff like that. I used to always try and buy a couple of couple of WizKid minis and, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they need the love. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so I am probably going to butcher this name, and I really apologize uh, for it, but I'm going to attempt it anyway. Barsalicadul. What is your least favorite, most ashamed of race from any, all, or each of the settings, either playable or NPC races? My, my least? Is it least favorite? Yeah, least favorite uh, or most ashamed of. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I, I, that's a difficult question, but what, what does come to mind? So there is a race hidden in the antagonist archive, I believe, called the Augments. It might be the antagonist. I'm pretty sure it's the antagonist. And the Augments get no law. There is no law about the Augments anywhere. 
there is an obscure bit of art that is not labelled, and yeah, it might be in there. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I, I cannot remember. See, this, this shows you how how ashamed I am. I don't even know where they are. And it's four augments get no law, one art that's not labelled, nothing said about them, and it's just I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Fleeting, <laughs> fleeting thought that ended up in a book that may never get anything else written about them. Yeah, they're not in the index either. Okay, they're, they're probably hidden in the program. <laughs> anyway, if anyone can bad. find that, uh, do uh, post it on the chat and let us know. I am very curious. Yeah. To, That's right. We, to, we, to... We, we, can, we can move along now before we, uh, we get too, too embarrassed. <laughs> no, I want to dig this up and, and uh, display it. <laughs> Alright, uh, so Belvala doesn't have a question, but does want to say Empire made me love tabletop again. So. Oh, nice. Thanks, man. <laughs> Alright, total D4 question. If any more frag Kickstarter campaigns come about for additional content to the sci-fi setting, might we ever get stretch goals for some spaceship miniatures of existing ships seen in some of the game arts? Yeah, okay, so um, frag Empire ships so I, uh, there's two parts to this question. Okay, so two parts to the answer. The first part is, I like the general aesthetic of a bunch of the ships, but I feel like there is room for design improvement. And so in probably Frag 2.0, when it comes out, I'm going to make sure I find an artist who specializes in vehicular art. Okay. So I haven't actually, I've, I've, I've worked with lots of character artists and environmental mm -hmm. artists. Um, and th these people have been very capable of drawing vehicles, but I think I want to find someone who specializes in that, who can really put some beautiful detail into the vehicles and how they look and feel and thinking about their, their structure. Because mm -hmm. um, at the moment, a lot of the art, they look nice, but as a, a 3D object, I don't think they would necessarily all look that aesthetically pleasing or be that iconic. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to get the art improved, would be the first bit. And the second bit is um, I want to get a little bit better at my miniature production. Um, so I've produced miniatures in the past, but unfortunately, I can't use the same systems or the same manufacturers. Uh, but, but I've been working on that and I, I've I'm really close to figuring it out. That 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 is not as a big of a problem as what it has been in the past. I, yeah, I've started to find some companies. I've got some samples. I'm excited about them. I've even got some already characters 3D modeled up that people haven't seen yet. They're all ready for production, um, and I'll probably test out those companies on those miniatures. And if those characters go well, I'd love to get some spaceships made up. I think that'd be really cool just you know get one for each of the core races would be fantastic Ooh, that would be awesome i very much like that <laughs> uh all right um <clears throat> so bail vala uh, also says you have always been very cool about input from your community and i really appreciate that as a fan of the world and books um which yeah i've, I've seen that too thanks very responsive it's actually I, I really enjoy getting feedback from the community because it also even though the community is not always excellent at perfectly identifying a problem, they are really, people are really good at identifying when something doesn't quite feel right. Even if they can't articulate fully why this is, 
or what the solution is, um, it, it's really important, I think, for designers to be chatting to their community to keep their finger on the pulse because that gives you an idea about where the points of uh, tension and where, where, where there's areas for improvement within your book. And also for those curious, Carcel, uh, uh, Car uh, let us know what page. It's in the protagonist archives, page 170-ish. You're going to find a little bit about the augments. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where they will stay forever. <laughs> Probably never be repeated, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, so Kursal uh, says, furthermore, on the ship topic, uh, would you consider providing some sort of guide or example on ship creation? Uh, narrow style, narrative style, I mean, like some ship layouts for either important NPCs or generic ship designs. Yeah, I think that's... um. So I've... I've discovered that I really like drawing maps, thus these three latest books, you know? Uh, and so in future books, I would love to actually start drawing some blueprint sort of maps of the insides of a bunch of different ships, just to sort of give an example. So even if people may not use them as maps for their game, they give a real sense of space and what my idea is about the size and the scale and the structure of the ships and things like that. So yeah, no, very much. I'd be very excited to do that. Um, I enjoy drawing that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Some people are asking for uh, an augmentation uh, supplement. No, it's going to happen. People. <laughs> it's never happening. <laughs> no, sorry. Unless, <laughs> unless we get Wade sick. Uh, and he just <laughs> does a. Uh, a... I don't know what's gonna come out of that? That that haze. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have vague ideas in my mind about doing a superhero game. Uh, likely gonna happen because I've pretty much figured that one out in my head in terms of uh, what I want it to feel like. Uh, and I've also been crunching the idea of a cyberpunk game. I have the lore perfectly fine for cyberpunk I, I put it in fragged empire near the human era back when like electronic tech was like crazy powerful but i haven't figured out how to do hacking right <laughs> so if, as soon as i figure that out it'll yeah, happen <laughs> if you can figure that out i think you will have the holy grail of the the role-playing industry I know after looking at uh, Shadowrun uh, 6.0 as a, as a Shadowrun fan in general, but also kind of sighing every time I have to go through the rule book, uh, mm. just because there's just so much there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really excited about that, and I think uh, everyone is excited too. Um, so Omega Cake uh, wants to know... Um, Oh, actually, I guess you might have just answered that, but he he wanted to know what's the next little project like Diesel Punk going to be. Yeah, it'll, it'll most likely be the superhero one. I think I just I really like the ideas in my head, and I've got I feel like it's I like doing stuff that's really different to what I've already done, mm -hmm. and I feel like a superhero game would be really fun. Yeah, so I. I'm thinking superheroes fighting over the top of like city blocks and stuff like that and throwing cars at each other and 
ah, yeah, I've got, I've got ideas. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I, I, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to that. That sounds great. <laughs> um, so I, um, I was talking to Steve Darlington uh, about uh, a couple months ago, and I don't know if uh, he says he he has heard about you and you guys have encountered each other. Uh, he is the creator of Relic, so I'm sure you guys saw each other at uh, a recent con. Um, but it's interesting to see uh, the, um, at least as my, myself being an American, seeing a lot of these uh, more Australian game designers bringing their stuff overseas. Um, are there any role-playing games currently uh, being kind of uh, played around in Australia that you would recommend? That's a that's a tricky one. See, <laughs> part of part of my issue is I don't get to actually have a look at what's happening in the wider culture <laughs> that much. But I'm so absorbed in what I'm doing with my own thing. Um, the other thing is that a lot of indie RPGs end up being super narrative focused, like really like the rules are almost non-existent. Oh yeah. And my 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 brain has a little switch that just goes. Oh no! I'll move on. You know, <laughs> I might encounter one of those, which is which is unfortunate because a lot of those can be quite good. Um, oh man, there was something. There was something I was quite excited for, but I think it was the visuals who captured me. Um, but I cannot remember the name of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's a. It was a very cool little one that's in development that I found mm. rather interesting, but. Well, I'm really sorry. If, I can't find the name. No, it's okay. If you remember it, do let me know. I, I am very curious. Um, yep. So uh, back off uh, to uh, the other questions. We actually have someone who wants you wants to know, as this has been a source of debate, how do you pronounce every uh, race uh, in your in your Fragged Empire game? I was going to cut you off before you answered that ended that one because i'm like i can anticipate this question <laughs> you pronounce okay so the first one is we'll say uh the big bad guy is pronounced exion oh man you can pronounce it differently but it's purposefully written in a way that you're not supposed to know how it's pronounced so if you are mispronouncing it that's perfectly fine and i actually kind of imagine lots of people within the actual universe would pronounce it differently. Okay? Yeah. So it's actually designed to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, so got, but the, the other races are pretty straightforward. Okay. Corp slash Legati. Uh, Legion, they're the easy one. Kaltoran, another easy one. Uh, Nephilim, another easy one. Uh, then you've just got Remnant, Twyfar, Zhao, um, and Palantor. Uh, Toladal, Oni, um yeah i think that pretty much covers it yeah uh my 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 writer uh one of my my story writers came up with um so we had to design sort of a world building structure for names mm -hmm. for different races so legion very greco-roman sounding names corporation use very aristocratic english top sort of names um uh, Keltorans have uh hebrew hebrew names but Nephilim, because I purposefully, because they're like the bad, evil sort of race, 
I didn't want to make them line up with a human culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so my, my writer came up with the best explanation, uh, smash keyboard and then add vowels. That is now the official naming guide for Nephilim names. <laughs> Well, if anyone in chat would like to uh, make an attempt at some Nephilim names, maybe we can uh, try to sound them out as best as possible. <laughs> I know for, uh, I, I called him uh, Zion. And I yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> oh, well, that's, yeah. In terms of how you're actually technically pronunciate the technical pronunciation, you're actually correct in terms of English and how the letters were structured. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Exion. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so uh, Carlsal says, uh, or question: Have you thought about adding human tech into uh, Fragged Empire, like the hacked mechs from a while back? Uh, has human gizmo as a rename? Have you thought? Uh, have you thought about adding it akin to Archon slash Exion tech? Uh, yeah. So probably the way that I'll probably do it in the future my thought oh, so, okay so there's a couple of things one is human tech is basically like mythological in terms of power um and so if you put it in the rule book as this is an object it kind of can sometimes make people think it's readily available mm-hmm. or if i just have enough money and i pass a roll by enough i could get it Whereas I don't actually want that for human technology. I would actually like it to be something the GM should create, should be sort of unique and weird and odd. Like it could be dimensional travel, you know, teleportation, uh, or, or, or just super weird, weird things. Um, so I'm, I'm adverse to ever adding in stack blocks for just human technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know that that's the answer. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, Bell um asks: Is the soul system still around in the Empire world? Uh, the soul system. Yeah, S O L. Oh, the soul. Oh, ow, human Earth. Okay, yeah, <laughs> the soul system. Okay, uh, so, uh. Theoretically, yes, but it's kind of a bit like my, my my presumption has always been it's a little bit like the Garden of Eden. You know, mm-hmm. it's this mythological place where humanity was born, okay? And people haven't even seen humans, okay, before. Um, and, and so I would like to think that it exists, um, but... I'm unlikely to ever poorly write about it unless I did my cyberpunk setting. Mm. Um, but who knows what state it's in, considering all the nonsense that humans got up to. Like, it could either be an epicenter of this super advanced technology, you know, it could be, or maybe humans wrecked it. Maybe there's nothing there. Um, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the mystery persists. And and if someone even found it, how would they even know that it is the soul system? 
necessarily. It depends on so much. Yeah. Nice. I like to think it exists. Yeah. <laughs> it would definitely be something interesting to explore during a campaign. So, um, in the uh, Kickstarter, you talk about new minion rules. Um, so, why do you think, or why have you decided to kind of replace uh, them, and what does the new rule set bring to the table that the previous ones uh, you feel uh, might not have done a, as good of a job as you'd like? Okay, yeah. So, my, my original uh, drone and companion rules had a bit of a... They have a, a scaling issue. So with with different player options, you want them to be useful for low-level characters all the way through to high-level characters. And you want them to sort of scale nicely. And this is very easy to do with a gun, because the gun shoots, and it just shoots better and shoots better. Mm -hmm. um, but I had problems a little bit with drones in that they start off, I feel like, okay, but they're a little bit hard to get into. And then at the late game, drones become can have the risk of becoming overpowered. Mm -hmm. um, so I basically just created an alternative system. The, the previous system is fine, but this alternative system is a little bit simpler. Drones and companions come with a point-in weapon. You don't need to equip them. Um, and you can only have one per player. So this is much like how I've done companions in Frag Kingdom. Uh, and I just feel like it just scales a lot better. Interesting. So um, you're, you're kind of in a unique position uh, as a game developer uh, making Fragged Empire because, as you said before, a lot of the what's coming out of the indie market right now is very uh, narrative-focused. Uh, while Fragged Empire, even though there's a theater of, a theater of mind play, there's also that miniature play. And regardless, uh, whichever route you take, uh, there's still a lot of... Uh, uh, let's say meat on the bones of that uh, that system. Um, yeah. Why was this important uh, to you to kind of have this aspect of play? Okay, so I think there's probably a couple of bits of that. One is it's just the way I am, and I think I've made a game that has basically reflected me. Okay, and there's a part of me that loves. I, I find beauty in maths. I find beauty in game design, um, but also. I'm a firm believer in role-playing games are really, really good at drawing lots of different people together, okay? So you can have the really narrative theater, theater student mixed in <laughs> with the power gamer who likes to play COD, you know? And they can sit at a table together and they both can contribute. So I'm a fan of, you know, there's this whole role-playing versus role-playing, R-O-L-E, R-O-L-L. I like to actually think that I'm aiming to make Fragged as a game that is suitable for both of those people. Okay? Now I know <laughs> basically because there's so much narrative stuff out there um, that's like exceptionally good. Okay? So people who are really into that they're kind of spoiled for choice. But people who are a little bit more into the game side of stuff, they don't actually have as much of a choice. And I think that's actually helped to help for Fragged to carve out a bit of a niche that it is a, a a medium crunch game i'd say just as complicated as dnd you know if you mm -hmm. handle dnd handle frag but it's a medium crunch game that takes its law very seriously you know and i think there's a bunch of 
crunchy games out there who don't actually take their law as seriously or put as much into it or as much passion or, or, or emotion or empathy stuff you know, mm-hmm. enough of, they don't put enough of the human condition within their creation um and so i think that's helped frag frag stand out um but the only way you ever learn that is to play it so it's tricky <laughs> you know <laughs> i've got it and other people they are all saying they've got it uh, but you're not going to actually get it until you play it and figure it yeah. out yeah I mean, you're, you're definitely right. If you look at the history of Kickstarters and what is being produced by, like, everything in the tabletop role-playing genre, um, you, Fragged Empire stands out as, as one of the only ones that has a system that, you know, is, is, has some crunch to it. Um, and a lot of stuff that's coming out right now is either, you know, based on the Apocalypse uh, engine or other very narrative-focused gameplay. Um, so it, it, I mean, for me, it's been, uh, kind of a, uh, a breath of fresh air, uh, cause as you know, like you, I also enjoy, uh, the, the crunchier systems like Pathfinder, Shadowrun, D and D, um, and, and Fragged uh, Empire. Except a couple of those comparisons. <laughs> uh, I will take insult at a couple of those other comparisons. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely <laughs> fragged Empire is is no way uh, as complex as, as as some of those. Uh, for... let, let the uh, let the system and the addition wars begin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Get my hammer. <laughs> I, uh, I I grew up playing the hero system, which oh. is this. Points by <laughs> load of nonsense. Okay, that's what I grew up in. So everything in comparison to that is like, oh wow, this is so well planned out. It's so intuitive, you know. Someone <laughs> so tried. Like <laughs> Someone tried to like get me into that. Oh, don't no, don't. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to create a character, and I was doing like multiplication and division. And I was like, you know what? I don't. <laughs> I think I'm done. I, I grew up creating Excel spreadsheets with my friends. <laughs> we learned, we were doing multiplication, divisions, and little percentages, all these massive formulas to figure out how to shoot a lightning bolt. You oh, know? man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so going back. Uh, uh, so Carcel uh, has a question. Or Carsa, there we go, Carsa. Thank you for the uh, uh, clarification, Carsa. Uh, how much of the game's design slash development has been solely yourself? Uh, have slash do you have a team or people, or are you just a badass? <laughs> I have a team, and I'm a badass. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So no, no. This is this is this is a very good question. Um, I think when I started that frag, I did a lot more of it, but it is most definitely a team effort and i've i'm actually increasingly seeing myself as a production manager art director and i actually think that's okay i know it's like it's sacrificing part of my ego and there's a part of all creatives who just we want to create these beautiful masterpieces that are all our own you know um and we can derive immense satisfaction from that um we also don't like to play with others (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but me being able to actually have a swallow a little bit of humility, sacrifice a bit of my ego, and let other people in, 
has been immensely good for Fract. Like really, really, really good. Um, but if people are curious, I, I still do plot mode. So all the rule design is me. Um, I draw all the graphics and the maps, they're all me. Um, and then I write briefs for my artists and my writers. Um, I, I develop the structure of the, the war and uh but then you know i work with other people and sometimes writers come up with a cool idea and sometimes they don't do what i want them to do and you know you massage it you massage it you cook it and eventually it comes out uh in in, in its final form and what a beauty it is <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you, you're definitely a badass you can you can claim that you can take that uh so uh bill vala uh despite it being 1 30 uh and them having to go to work tomorrow uh thank you for still being with us um has a question about uh human soul and human tech thing i thought that the palentor are humans in a way so isn't their tech closer to the human tech uh yeah definitely uh, so palentor don't actually consider themselves human uh, because that, okay, so Palantor are basically when humans were facing existence, some of them digitized their minds and uploaded it to a network and basically played Minecraft for several thousand years. <laughs> okay. But, uh, and then they've downloaded themselves back into bodies after these like mechanids have started eating away their digital world. Um, so, yeah, so mechanids, uh, mechanids and Palantor are definitely uh, based off human tech. Uh, jump technology and psionics also come from human technology. They were not created by the Archons. The Archons and Exion, they did biology. They did squishy things, you know. <laughs> um, whereas anything digital, which includes psionics and jump tech, is basically, and anything to do with ley lines, that's all coming from humans. And lots of that stuff, people don't actually know how it works. Um, also, when you play a Palantor, you have the option to start with a secret knowledge. And that's a representative of you having a little bit of a slice of something awesome in your mind. And that, that means like a little bit of tech or a little bit of lore. And you can spend that in game to get like a special upgrade or a special trait that requires secret knowledge. So that, that's reflected mechanically as well in the game. Awesome. <clears throat> Sorry about that. So um, you have uh, Fragged in, Frag Kingdom, uh, which, you know, came out, was about two years ago? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years, year and a half ago, I think it was released yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Yep. Um, so when you were writing it, um, and obviously with kind of the, um, the, the big uh, monoliths of the fantasy uh, genre, already kind of established, uh, you know, D&D &D and, and other stuff like that within that fantasy genre. How did you want to make Frag Kingdom different? And do you feel like you accomplished that goal? Um, or is there something more you wanted to do? Your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I actually find the RPG genre, oh, sorry, the, the fantasy genre within the RPG field is a very interesting one in that there's so much out there um, it's a little bit hard to distinguish yourself, but also it's so popular because people don't really, they don't actually want something new. I know some people do, 
but most people don't. A lot of people who are really looking for something new often move outside the fantasy genre. <clears throat> so getting that balance right was a bit tricky. And so I thought, okay, so what's some, uh, what's some good selling points for this setting to make it feel, to make it tasty, for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. And so part of it, so one, it's actually set in the Fragged Empire universe, okay? So that means that people, even though you don't need to, if you do know the Empire universe, you're going to get this additional layer of depth, okay? Mm -hmm. um, when, you're, when you're reading through the book, okay, um, a, a, an extra layer of understanding or ha-ha or find stuff interesting, you know, having your favorite races portrayed in a different light or seeing what they would might be like in a new culture with a new history and a new background, okay? Um, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is I actually have removed um, the classic evil tropes mm -hmm. from this setting. So a lot of other fantasy settings have like the big bad evil overlord, demons, undead, stuff like that. None of that actually exists in in Fragged Kingdom, okay? Um, the primary antagonist in this setting are actually druids. So, um, and I feel like, and then it gives us sort of this nature versus civilization is the actual big fight, not mm -hmm. versus evil. Uh, it's not to say there is not fights of good versus evil. It's just not the center stage one within the universe. Like in, in the classic a lot of other fantasy ones civilization versus nature exists as a tension but it's a minor side tension mm -hmm. whereas in this universe it's front and center um and i feel like that gives it a different flavor um you've got the, the primary evil goddess named her name is neph she's she's not only the god of of uh of death she's also the god of life and nature so she's not just this force of evil destruction um there's there's sort of more to it philosophically um and so i feel like that that gives it a nice blend mm -hmm. um and you've also got the primary the primary uh because fragged empire has an underlying assumption of of uh of, uh, of science and physics okay even though a lot of it is uh made up you know that same sort of underlying tone is um, in that, sorry, I, I kind of worded that badly. <laughs> it has the assumption that it comes from our universe. You know, humans right now existed at some point in the history of Fragged Empire and Fragged Kingdom. Um, and so you don't actually get a lot of the classic magic in this world. So the primary mages are actually alchemists mm -hmm. who actually sort of, messing around with ancient tech um so they're actually like they might be thinking they're they're casting a fireball and they're actually throwing a potion of rocket fuel or they think they're doing a, a cold spell but they're actually just spreading around cryogenic fluid um and so that that sort of adds an extra bit of quirkiness because often a bit of a problem that you can have with magic is it just feels like a black box it can do anything and so this is my way of applying a framework or a structure to it um, to help players come up with more interesting characters and interesting ways to solve problems 
and for GMs to come up with interesting sort of reasons for stuff to happen. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we got some more questions. Uh, so, so buckle up. These are, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Omega Cake uh, says, "Any chance you'll add vehicular combat like Seas or Empire to Kingdom?" Um, <sighs> vehicular combat. Look, <laughs> you can basically grab the ship rules from Frag Seas and chuck it straight into Frag Kingdom. That would work perfectly fine. Like boats, but rather than cannons just imagine they're ballistas and archers or something like that um but i just i think that's probably if i was going to do something i could just imagine sailing boat combat um but i didn't think it was quite gripping enough to justify putting in the rule book mm. and so that's why i decided to do holdings and armies and stuff like that instead uh, but you could you could totally port uh uh, ship combat from frag seas over that would work just fine excellent uh so total d4 uh says this is a, more so a question as a gm i had a player who wanted to play a palantor uh though him and i became confused when looking at the details of the race listed traits or advantages whatever you call it anyways the first thing it lists is you are a robot exclamation mark Though in the book, we couldn't find anywhere what that meant in terms of its advantages in the system. Uh, yes, and I think that was a flaw in, in my sake. I don't think I explained that, uh, that, that well enough. Um, I actually feel like I did a slightly better job of it in trying to turn them, oddly enough, um, for being a non-human. Uh, but a bit of a GM advice. I would basically... So there's a couple of weapons that, and traits that do stuff to robots. And then I would just assume that, okay, you're a robot. You don't need to breathe and eat, but you need a plug-in for power. Um, so I feel like that's just as much of a, mm -hmm. uh, as an advantage or a disadvantage, the whole eating and power thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I need to do a better job of it. Uh, you, you as a GM should just go with a normal robot sort of feel and just assume assume that, yeah. yeah Hopefully that helps. <laughs> so firstly, I, I'm, I'm apologizing. That's a flaw on my part for not putting that in the rules properly. Hey, it's a lot to cover in a book. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Krasai uh, uh, says, speaking of uh, physics and whatnot, how exactly do the ley lines work? Uh, so, okay, so the idea is that generally that humanity cracked the universe. And so the ley lines are basically hairline fractures that are spreading out across the universe. And it's theorized that they're actually, um, so I, I don't know whether I'm explaining what's written in the book or whether <laughs> I'm just stuff that I've got in my head about how it actually works. Okay, so I'm pretty sure the book just doesn't say everything because uh, it leaves a lot of mystery. But my theory is, and this is the one that I've sort of got in my head, is the ley lines are actually cracks into another universe, but that universe is actually smaller than our universe. And because some of that, that universe is leaking into our universe, some of its scientific, like some of its, its particles and its scientific laws and 
ideas about space are actually slipping into our universe. And that's what ley line particles are. And these particles are spreading out from the ley lines. Okay. And they enable jump drives to basically gather these particles together and they open up a portal, portal, um, like a, a warp, a warp bubble, mm-hmm. which is basically skirting the line between the two universes. And because you're slightly going into the other universe, which is so much smaller than ours, you're actually, let's say you travel a meter in that other universe. You may have traveled a hundred meters in ours when you come back out. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's my idea that I've got in my head. Um, another important thing is that uh, ley line particles actually gather around solar systems like rings, like imagine a ring like Saturn, but spread throughout a whole system. Um, and the particles are spreading further and further. And you can only ever jump basically to where the particles go to. And so what this means is, the particles have now also spread further now than what they have when they first um, when they were first released by the humans back in the day. So mm-hmm. theoretically, you can travel to spaces that humans have never been to, which is a significant thing. Yeah. So hopefully that explains a little bit. Um, yeah, they, they, they did yeah. say uh, that was a fantastic answer. <laughs> That's right. In, in, uh, in FRAG 2.0, I'll probably... Uh, write that stuff down but I, I i don't think i'd quite worked it all out when i was writing the core rule book i think i was kind of had these vague ideas but then i've sort of solidified my ideas a bit more <laughs> so i know chat has been talking uh about a uh, a plushie of every <laughs> of each of the uh you know the, the the you know the main characters for every race uh especially uh rachel this is uh this has become a bit of a repeat topic on my discord channel <laughs> And I'm probably not helping the topic by saying, if I find a good company that makes them, I will probably get one made. (laughs) Because plushies are great. (laughs) They are. We just need an awesome fan to just start making them for us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if someone wants to open an Etsy store, you know, I will uh, more than happy to send some traffic their way. (laughs) (laughs) I would also like this. Uh, all right, so we are coming up at the end of uh, the interview. I, I know uh, Wade has had a, a woke up early for for everyone. Um, ooh, uh, Beovala says uh, uh, they have uh, some connections in the industry and will message you. So hopefully we will get those um, plushies sometime soon. Who knows? <laughs> Sounds uh, good. <laughs> Uh, but for those uh, watching, uh, please, 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 we only got a couple minutes left. Um, if you have any questions, feel free. Um, and, you know, thank you again, Wade, for, for waking up early to kind of hang out with us. <laughs> no problem. Um, so the downtime system has has gone through some changes since, like, the, the first core rule book. Um, what has been kind of your thought process as uh, every kind of new book came out uh, concerning the downtime system? What what are kind of like your goals and, you know, how, how do you think it was important to include this system within the, the book at all? Uh, yeah, so I think so basically the downtime system is basically a, a, a people get these spare time points mm-hmm. each session and they can you can store them up. And when you've got some downtime, you can spend them and you can buy 
misc stuff you can upgrade things you can do trade goods or research and stuff like that um i like that system because it it simultaneously removes the pressure from players to feel like okay i'm in town i must do stuff now mm -hmm. you know try and maximize every bit of downtime because they know their spare time points are storing up okay so they can wait until a time where it's narratively appropriate you know they've just been the big bad guy they've got a chill session the gm wants to run a little bit more of a chilled game in this in town they can then go and spend it you know they don't feel like they must do stuff as it's every moment okay uh the other part why i like that like the system is it um it encourages all players to actually become increasingly connected to the world so mm -hmm. let's say you're a fighter you're getting a spare time pointing session same as the scientist okay the scientist knows what they're doing with their spare time point in fact they don't have enough. They want to research. They want to modify their gun. They want to do this. They want to do that. Um, okay. But the fighter is like, well, I've got these spare time points. I, I, I should do something with them. Otherwise, I'm just wasting them. And so it encourages them to actually have some non-combat skills. And not only non-combat skills, but some non-combat interests mm -hmm. of ways to spend these points. Okay. And this could be I'm studying martial arts or maybe I'm modifying my gun. Like they don't have, they can be still militaristically focused, but it encourages all types of players. So I, I really like my system. I want skill characters to contribute in combat in a meaningful way. And I want combat char focused characters to contribute in narrative skill ways as well. And so I feel like the downtime system is a very simple system that bridges those gaps um and i i think there's a lot of potential to just expand on that system in my book like i don't think i actually fully explain how awesome this is mm -hmm. in my core rule book and i think the spare times point system and the downtime has been immensely popular with people um and it also oh, another thing that i think is really really fun is it encourages creativity so in the, in the book, let's say, for example, it says uh, you want to buy a pistol, okay? A cheap yeah. pistol, okay? It, it, you need to make a spare time roll of 12. That's all the book says. You as a player need to justify your skill choice as to how you're getting that pistol. So the rich character can make a wealth skill roll to buy it. The mechanics character may just make a mechanics roll to sort of make it out of salvage scrap that they got. And maybe the thumb intimidate some poor person in the street <laughs> okay and they make their skill roll and they get it and even though mechanically it is super simple that the, the type of narrative power of that 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 can add to a game is immense so like yeah anyway, <laughs> i really i really love that system and it's been very popular um, and the more people get it, I think they, they really, yeah, see its value. Yeah, it's definitely one of the, one of my favorite aspects of the, the game in general is because, because I love it when a game kind of encourages you to look beyond the, um, 
I guess, a normal action adventure that, you know, you're, you're usually going through in a, in a game. Um, and it helps you to kind of look beyond uh, those present moments into, you know, what am I going to do when, you know, I got some downtime on this planet? Uh, and what, you know, what small projects do I want to kind of uh, dip my toes in? Uh, yeah, and, and I think also a lot of games fall into the trap of um, tying certain sorts of uh, experiences to certain types of characters. And it's a bit of an abstract idea, so mm-hmm. hopefully I'll explain it well. So acquiring stuff, that experience of acquiring physical objects within mm-hmm. a game is usually tied to wealth. Mm-hmm. So that means you've got to be rich. And the problem that you have is that some games are like, well, I want everybody to enjoy that aspect of acquiring and stuff, so therefore everyone must have money. And you end up with a D&D situation where everyone's actually rich. Yeah. You actually have the rich and the poor characters journeying together, you know, because that, that doesn't work within that system because otherwise the poor character can't actually join in the experience of acquiring things and mm-hmm. the rich character acquires too much and they become overshadowing um same things in terms of study and research not just the scientist character maybe the martial arts character maybe want to do research as well but anyway that's just some philosophical ideas that i've got in my, in my head about <laughs> always yeah, good to hear fun. All right, so the final round of questions. Um, so first, what are your suggestions for someone as a new player coming into your game and system? Uh, new player. Um, if you're really new, I'd pr- probably try and grab one of the pre-gen characters. Uh, I believe I've got them up on my website. Mm-hmm. Just grab a pre-gen, slap it down, have a one-shot with a GM. That's the ideal situation. But if you're joining in with some people who have already played Frags before, um, make it, when you're making a character, it is very easy to get overwhelmed by choices. Okay, because Frags allows a lot of customization and choices. So I would do two things. One is uh, select your primary skill. Like, what is a skill that defines the, the personality of your character? If you're a mechanic, okay, get trained in mechanics and just look at mechanic traits and select one of those for your first. Because you get one trait per level. Don't look at the traits in any other area. Just look in the area of your, your key personality defining skill. Okay? Or maybe you're a strong character. Just look under strong strength traits. Uh, the second thing is uh, have an idea in your head of what gun you want or weapon <laughs> and then just make that. Don't start looking at what you can do because you can basically do anything. Okay, you want a rifle, just select a rifle, just go with it. Don't start comparing rifles to SMGs to shotguns and then pick one based on the mechanics. Just pick one and go with it. You can always change it out later. Um, and of course, I, uh, I do not explain these things very well in my core rule book, so there's <laughs> always room for improvement. <laughs> so you're not wrong for being a little bit lost. <laughs> Yeah, and I know, so I've, I've gotten a couple of new players, and what I've done is I've, because, uh, you know, your website has the, the pre-generated character sheets, and I just printed them all out, because I know my players, when I'm like, hey guys, just pick a concept, and then here are the ways we can streamline character creation. My, my players are always like, 
looking through the book and going outside their area every time. Every time. So quite often is I've seen several people get really excited by the weapon creation rules. And then they just make this stupid thing that just doesn't work. It's weird. And you're like, they just slap every option on it. Yeah. It's it's this weird like mechanism, like what does this do? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, for definitely new players, please check out the the Fragged uh, Empire website. the The pregens are really good, uh, and you know, of course, there's the starter adventure for free, uh, right? I, I I forget what it's called. There we go. Um, and then of course there are there are some other ones uh, that if you want to spend uh, some money for the PDFs on uh, are amazing. Um, so the next one we have is so creating more solar system maps. Is it a priority at all for the next uh, fragged empire setting? Uh, that's a tricky question. Look, I think so. I, I think I really <clears throat> like having fragged just focused on the Haven system. I think I was okay with that. Uh, but I think in the future, and I've already done this a little bit by fleshing out some extra systems a little bit in the protagonist and the antagonist archive. Um, I think I'd like to do a few. I, th I feel like it can make the, world, the universe just a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. uh, but not too big. I, 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 I don't want to make it too big. It's always been a, 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 in, an intimate setting. Mm -hmm. So three, three or four, I think, would be nice. All right. Uh, and that was from uh, Karsa. Um, so Belvala uh, asked, will you flesh out the new invasion big boss, I assume, uh, more in the next uh, Fragged Empire setting? Uh, it's the Oni would be. Mm -hmm. um, no, I, th I think that's something I've consciously decided against. I've always been, I don't want to determine what the big bad evil guy is. Mostly because the setting has very strongly had no one knows what's out there and no one knows what the future holds. That's always been very a, a cornerstone of the frag setting. So I think what I would likely to do if I was to do something was to um, put forward several possible options and then just leave it up to the GM and clearly say, these are just creative ideas to get your, basically get your creative juices flowing. So one might be the Oni, okay? Mm -hmm. They're entering the area and enslaving everybody. Uh, another one could be the Mechanids rising back up, okay? Reactivating and wanting to destroy all sentient life. A third one, just to put it really out there, the Exion returning. Because <laughs> it's still out there, perfectly fine. Um, so... And I would just put these out as ideas. Basically, just this is what could happen. And I feel like if I just put one out, people would start to mistakenly assume that that's actually canon and that that's, that's coming. That is the threat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Beovala also says, and will you flesh out the plans of the Devi? Oh, the, uh, the Devoy Itch. So mm -hmm. that's the, uh, the Nephilim. Okay, so I really want to do an antagonist archive 2 okay and when i do an antagonist archive 2 i want to actually spell out the devway itch i want to actually describe it 
have a giant sexy bit of artwork and really get into its the machinations of this 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 creature because the dev way it is is easily the most powerful uh, not necessarily the most influential possibly yeah but definitely the most powerful creature in this in the in this in mm -hmm. the setting in terms of the haven system like nothing compares to its strength okay and it has complete victor dictatorial control over the Nephilim, the Eden group. Um, and I would also like to spell out uh, the corp, the uh, the board of management for the corporation. <laughs> I would Ooh. like to have the ten, the ten people, and I totally want to get some backers. You know, have a backer pledge your face. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> or like you know, like six of them or something like that. Not all of them, but just six, because I've got a few in mind already. Um, and I would like to actually spell them out. This person is part of this corporation and this is their goals. And this person only ever turns up to meetings as a hologram. You know, nobody's <laughs> ever met them physically. Um, this person on the board of the management is actually a Nephilim, you know, like a non, a non Vigati is actually on there and stuff like that. Like I would love to spell that out. Um, yeah. So I think an antagonist archive two is most likely to get that. Although I may, not be able to control myself and i might put it in something earlier do it uh people are people are going crazy they want to see it i want to see oh, it <laughs> I, i'm very excited about that, those ideas i think people would absolutely love them oh yeah uh, that I, i've very purposefully not written much about the deaf way itch mostly because i've got all these plans that i want to write i want to give him a give it a full proper write-up all at once yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Kursai says, um, the choose your adventure, oh wait, hold on, going back to the other one. Sorry, Kursai, okay, the one before that. Uh, adding on to Belvala's last one, with the Oni invasion, would you consider an adventure book for it? Like Curse of Strahd, but making it like a progression, a progressing, uh, wartime scenario? Yeah, so, I'm still getting my head around adventures and campaigns. I find myself in a tricky spot. Um... The, the unfortunate tricky spot that I find myself in is that not everybody actually likes pre-written adventures. Uh, whereas, for example, if I was to release a normal Bragged Empire expansion book, mm -hmm. like, for example, this one on Mishpasha that I'm working on, pretty much everyone will get it because there's something there for everyone. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of rules, there's some lore, it fleshes things out, and it's just stories if you just want to read them. Whereas... Um, I, I'm not confident that I'd get enough sales from doing a full campaign book, which quite frankly, just really sucks. Like it, it, it does suck when what you want to do is restricted, um, due to financial reasons, but, um, I would, I would like to do it. So yeah, sorry. It's frustrating. No, no. <laughs> um, uh, Belvala also, and I, I think you kind of answered this question before, but I just kind of want to be thorough. Uh, can right. you imagine just books where you advance the overall storyline? Is this something that you might want to do one day, or do you always want to kind of leave it uh, kind of always up to the player in terms of what's in their world? Uh, so I'm always going to leave it up to the players, but that being said, I'm not opposed to the idea 
of doing adventures and campaigns or novels or other stuff and just say it's not canon. Like, just say this yeah. is one potential future. And I think that that's most likely what I'm going to do. And I feel like that will probably liberate me a bit. Like, I'll probably have my, my, my hardcover books will be considered canon. And then all of my digital and soft cover, like adventures or campaigns, are just considered not canon. Mm-hmm. And then I can just do whatever. You know, I can come up with wacky wild things that break the setting and do different stuff that, you know, or break it, but really impact it. Um, I don't have to have my hands tied behind my back narratively. So, yeah, I, I, I'd be up for that. That's fair. I mean, uh, my, my personal question is... Um, I know, uh, looking at the Discord, your Facebook, and just looking at this chat, you have a lot of people who are really engaged in the story, in the the whole world of, of Fragged uh, Empire. Um, and this is a long shot, a long shot. But uh, have you ever kind of considered making a uh, kind of an equivalent of the uh, D&D Adventures League where you have... Um, uh, these different people in different places going through um, uh, uh, storylines um, and kind of being able to, to tell stories concerning that. Um, short answer, yes. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of things. There's basically three things in my head. Um, of course, it'd be very exciting. I'd love to do that. I actually think the fragged rule system mm-hmm. is excellent fit for that sort of game like it's 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 a beautiful fit the way that resources work and spare time points um i i i think yeah that that, that, so that's a good encouragement that one the other two things though that um i hurdles i need to get over is one is i never grew up doing those things Mm -hmm. i never grew up conventions because I, I grew up in a country town like i didn't go to a convention until i'd released fragged you know um and we didn't have a local game store or anything like that and so i very um it's very difficult to create something for a community that you're not immersed in yeah and, um personally you know just how do you put it soaked in swimming amongst you know getting an idea for how it works and um and so that's i've chatted to people who know it and quite frankly i'm probably just going to need someone like i'm probably just going to have to be when someone in the community gets super passionate and wants to do this i'll be like okay i will help you but i have no idea (laughs) i do empower the um, the third thing is um, pretty much connected to previously is that uh, writing up adventures and stuff like that um, it's hard to make a, that financially viable um, mm-hmm. but in this particular context though you can get some pretty light adventures made and they can often be made by the community and I believe a lot of those are like Pathfinder and stuff like that Yeah. Um, so that kind of uh, uh, lowering the production quality and emphasizing sort of quantity a bit more the quantity and quality of writing over aesthetics that's 
that that could actually help a lot in that area. So, yeah. That would be exciting to see. (laughs) All right, community, step up. Let's do this. Also, uh, Omega Cake said, if you do do that, um, uh, have your face as one of the the corp heads, uh, they would definitely back so high for that, so... Yeah, I, I imagine that would be. There's um technically from my first Kickstarter, somebody's actually already claimed position as one of the corporate uh head CEOs. So they're locked in, you know. So one one's already figured out. One's okay. already in. All right, we'll throw your money at it. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if there's any more I'm missing. Uh. <laughs> This is when you get bombarded by technical questions. I know. I'm like, I, I was up at the top, uh, and then, like, I know some, some things have happened. <laughs> uh, so there's uh, – Chris I talks about it. It would be cool to see a canonical adventure, uh, which includes uh, Rachel and her gang. Um, ooh. Uh, so Omega Cake says – this is uh, their last question. One more question. Have you con- considered asking Mr. Walsh? Of the famous list to check out your system, Mr. Walsh. Yeah, give I'm... us a link. I don't know who that is. Yeah, that, I'm. I'm curious too, Omega Cake. And, and if you know them, send them a link. Send them my way. Like <laughs> just say, hey, checked out this, and I'm happy to chat to them. That yeah. would be awesome. I'm not. I'm not super plugged into the whole RPG podcast blogger sphere. I just kind of chat to whoever. Uh, and yeah, Omega, uh, that is my baby, who very much sounds like a bird, on the other side of the door, desperately trying to crash in and probably knock over my computer. <laughs> well, that's how babies are. Um, guys, it has been a pleasure. Uh, Wade, did you have any closing announcements, thing to say? Uh, I'll just be a shield. Black, back my Kickstarter. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we, hopefully we get funded this week. I'd really like to. We had a really good first start. Um, things are kind of chilling out now. And then I know we'll have a big finish. I know we're going to get funded. So we're already well in our way. But uh, the sooner we get funded, the sooner I can announce stretch goals. And yeah, help a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Kosai. Uh, and uh, for you, Wade, I have the link for... Uh, it was a, a slight missed uh, type uh welch 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 uh but yeah i I put the link up there um guys thank you so much for for coming to the interview thank you wade for uh uh, allowing us to bombard you with uh questions uh hopefully we can do it again sometime uh and if uh anyone has any questions uh feel free to pop on over to his discord i'll make sure to uh post a link uh before uh we kind of uh, head out for for good um definitely check out the kickstarter uh if you haven't already make sure you tell your friends the more people who know the better uh if you are at gen con feel free to say hi to me i will be at studio two's booth um say hi let's talk about fragged empire because i'm always uh, excited to talk to other people about this awesome game uh so yeah once again thank you everyone and thank you wade Bye, everyone.